Oh, hopefully most folks are here who are planning to come and there probably will be a few more joining us as the evening goes by. So first I just want to offer a heartfelt welcome and um, I'm very grateful that we can gather in these ways to reflect on the teachings of the Buddha and um, the, of course the idea is we're here because we care about suffering in our hearts, in our world. And not just that we care, but we have enough sense, I think it's fair to say, that we need to be a learner. You know, enough sense that we're not imagining that we've seen everything, we understand everything, and there's nothing more for me to learn. And if the world continues to suffer, and if I continue to suffer, well, it's not because I don't understand. It's because something is deeply broken in the world. And that's a kind of helplessness. So the fact that, you know, we're all gathering in this way and in many other ways and um, using this wise community to help see what we're not seeing, to uncover what we're not clear about so that we can become wiser and kinder human beings. We can learn how to take care of ourselves and learn how to take care of others better. And that's for me very inspiring. And, you know, also, I know from my own personal experience, and, uh, you know, I've had pretty good conditions, living a pretty privileged life. I know it's not easy to do this practice. And so, in this heartfelt welcome, I just want to acknowledge, you know, those of you with kids, those of you with financial insecurities, those of you experiencing oppression in any number of ways, it's hard enough just to get through the day, but then to aspire to be reflective and to, in a sense, reflect and unpack how our heart, how our mind is entangled, how we might in subtle and unconscious ways, be contributing, planting seeds for our own suffering and the suffering of others. That's a very courageous thing for human beings to be committed to. And I'm, I'm just really inspired. And it's really one of the great blessings of the job that I have teaching in this way is just to be constantly inspired by people doing the best they can in the complexity of their lives and all the ways that people, we all are getting pushed around by life in the positive and negative conditions, circumstances in our lives, that we somehow <clears throat> find the time, uncover the interest to go deep and to look be beyond the surface of things. And that's really the essence of this six-year Buddhist studies curriculum. And it's not meant to kind of go through six years and be done. So don't worry about where the beginning of the course is or courses are, where they end. It's really these are different maps. Mapping all of these maps we cover over six years, they're mapping the same thing. They're mapping the human heart, this heart right here, your heart, my heart, all of our hearts. Right, so the, the Buddha's teachings arise from his own reflections about his heart and mind. 
and then did his best to articulate what he had come to understand in observing, being intimate with his own mind, his own heart. And then these maps, these teachings then exist to inspire us to follow in those footsteps and to, as difficult as it is, to find the time, to find the stability in our lives, relative quiet moments, and the fearlessness to look within. And it isn't about, a lot of people imagine that the path, the Buddhist teachings are like, come from this place of recognizing the limitations and the real suffering in the world and wanting to escape. One of my teachers, some of you know Larry Rosenberg, but he had a line about this. He says, there is an end of suffering, but the end of suffering doesn't arise through escaping suffering. It arises through understanding the nature of suffering. So as complex and messy and uh, terrible at times and beautiful at other times the world is, we need the world. We need to be to learn how to be more and more intimate and open and unafraid. And back to my deep welcome, I know that isn't always so easy. And for some folks, it's not easy at all, depending on particular circumstances. If there's a lot of difficulty for any number of reasons, the heart isn't inclined to turn inward and to uncover, to see what's there to see. So one thing um, I like to remind us all about at the beginning of Buddhist studies classes is that uh, there's this full, wholehearted approach where we use the teachings, these maps, we read them, you hear me talk, maybe listen to other talks, listen to other people, Dharma friends. So we're kind of consciously putting ourselves in the place of being a student, having some humility, knowing that I don't know everything, I'm really going to listen. And then we contemplate, we think about, reflect upon what we've learned, what we've heard, what we've read. And contemplation in a spiritual sense means we're using the verbal articulation, we're bringing it to mind, but we're applying it we're using it to illuminate our actual experience. So it's really being grounded, whatever we learn initially, intellectually, as concept, as words, we see, well, what what does that illuminate? How does that help awareness be intimate, see clearly, see more clearly the way things are? And this is the contemplation or the process of reflection and then, so that uh, that involves our actual sitting practice. So the commitment for people who do the Buddhist studies is that you're really interested in finding the time where you're going to do your best. And again, it will be different for different folks. Do our best to find time to sit where the conditions to contemplate our own experience, to use these teachings to see more deeply, more broadly, more subtly, the nature of the mind, the activity of the heart and mind, 
and the roots of suffering and the possibility of release, we're looking for optimal conditions, if not every day, most days of the week. And again, that's going to look different for each of us. For some of you, it'll be a few minutes. For others, it might be several hours. But that's part of the commitment. The other part is that we're going to share what we're learning. And we'll do a little exercise tonight with the chat function on the live stream here. But every other week, the even week, so week two, week four, week six, um, the last half an hour or so, we'll put aside for small group work. Now, it's not mandatory, but it's strongly recommended that people stay for that small group work. And I'll talk about that next week when we do it for the first time for this course. So maybe that's enough of an introduction. And um, let's do this chant. So you might notice if you scroll back in the chat, um, I put in, it kind of ran into each other. They're not sort of the lines aren't separated, but you'll see the Buddham Saranang Gachami. And then without a space, the next line, Dhammang Saranang Gachami. And then again, without a space, the third line, Sangang Saranang Gachami. Now we chant that three times, and I'll explain it in just a minute. And uh, the first time, just like it's written. Second time, we add a, a word before each of the three lines, Dutiampi, which just means for the second time. And then the third time we do it, we say Tatiampi, which just means for the third time. So... The reason we do this is, one, it's just kind of nice as a group, especially in person, but weirdly, even online when we're not hearing each other, you're just hearing me, for better or worse. Um, it's nice just to chant together, and it's a way of connecting with the lineage of wise folks before us, all the people with complicated lives, somehow bumped into these teachings, put them into practice, really gained some deep uh, wisdom and deepening of compassion in their lives to the degree that they could pass it on to the next generation. For so, so for a number of centuries, right, since 400, 500 BCE until today, it's a long time, 2,400 years, 2,500 years, that's a lot of generations of people who had deepened the practice, gained some wisdom and compassion, able to pass it along to the next generation. And so we want to connect with that lineage, and this is one way to do that. And then the third, it's, it's really Buddhist code for the practice. What are we doing? It's Buddha knowing Dhamma. This natural capacity to be awake, to be intimate, being intimate with the way it is. That's what Dhamma means. Buddha means this capacity to be awake, to be open, to be intimate with what? Dhamma, the way it is, the way it is right now, the underlying nature, the actuality of here, now, this embodied experience. And that intimacy, the coming together of Buddha and Dhamma allows for that third refuge, which is beautiful, wise, compassionate activity, engagement. That's what Sangha means. So we take refuge in Buddha, being awake, 
to Dhamma, that's the second, expressing Sangha, expressing the kind of activity or engagement that comes in those moments when we're not afraid to be intimate with our lives, with what's showing up. And so, what a nice way to remind ourselves what we're doing by beginning our Buddhist studies classes by doing this chant. So let's do the chant. Remember, we'll do it three times, which is the traditional way. And if you've done this in monasteries, we do it a little bit uh, more slowly here at the beginning of our Buddhist studies classes, just because it uh, gives us a chance to harmonize together when we're in community, sitting in the room together. But we'll do the best we can tonight. I'll ring the bell three times to begin. Some people like to hold their hands like this. It's a traditional gesture of gratitude and respect, but don't feel like you have to do it. It's just something you can do if you like. So let's do the chanting and then I'll guide us through a meditation for about 20 minutes and then we'll start to dig in to the Buddhist teachings on the Noble Eightfold Path. to sit comfortably for the meditation time. 
and in a very simple way, not so much using, requiring thinking. We can just notice that <clears throat> there is this river of our lives, this river flowing on and on, the river of experiencing that's happening now. And there's the way that the heart is relating to the river of our life, the river of experience right now. So we find ourselves in a sense right in the middle with some humility wanting to learn how best to be in the river, the stream of our lives the stream of experience. Naturally, not wanting to plant seeds to cause more stress, more suffering. Because we care, this compassion, this very earthy compassion right here wishing to take care of ourselves. We stay alert, stay awake, staying connected, willing to feel what's here, what's moving here. So we can take responsibility for whether we're planting seeds of suffering, seeds of tightness, or whether in moments we're relating in a way that's leading onward toward more ease, more release, more lightness, more happiness. So the first step in understanding the Buddhist path is to realize that right now and always we're walking the path of our life. Right now we're planting seeds of suffering or seeds for release. And the relevant question is, can we be curious about that? So we'll be sitting for about 15 minutes or so. And just see if you can be curious about this responsibility to be here in the moment in a way that leads onward toward a more beautiful release as opposed to being here in the moment in a way that leads to the heart getting entangled and tight or heavy 
bound up. But of course, either way, we'll learn a little bit more about the nature of the spiritual path. So we're going to continue in silence now for about 15 minutes.
even if we don't know the first thing about how to practice. There can be this simple intention to do no harm, not to make things worse, to cease doing what doesn't help. Keep it really simple and be on the lookout for old meditation habits where you just get on autopilot doing what you do when you meditate. So keep it more simple tonight. Just sitting right in the middle and noticing that just in the way that we're aware or showing up to our experience, we might be planting seeds, making things tight, or we might be present in a way that's lightening things up, freeing things up. And it can be quite simple, just a beautiful wish to do no harm to be present in a way that doesn't contribute to suffering. To be with the experience of the body in a way that's kind and wise.
we'll be sitting for another three or four minutes. But keep it really simple in a way where our only responsibility as we're sitting, sensing this body, sensing the heart and mind, our only responsibility is to take care of ourselves in the deepest sense. And like I mentioned earlier, we may not know how to take care of ourselves. We think we don't know how. But we can just observe to see what helps. And when the heart, the mind is getting tight, feeling more and more bound up. And when the heart and mind is beginning to feel less bound up. So one of the basic things we can get clear about to the degree that we're cultivating a being present or being intimate with experience, the stream of the body and mind right now, we can get clear whether that's helpful in the direction of healing and release or Does it seem to be in the direction of things getting worse, getting more tight, the heart getting more bound up? That's something we can determine or see for ourselves. 